0: Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast, a presentation of ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat
1: the Designer. Bad on Bears fans, welcome into another edition of the Chicago Bears Podcast. I'm your host, Pat the Designer, joined as always on a Wednesday by Jason McKee. And ladies and gentlemen, CBS says the Chicago Bears have the worst head coach in the NFL. I dropped the video on the breeze going a little hard on that uh, take right there. But I want to hear J-Mac's opinion on this, man, because uh, this is an interesting article. Shout out Cody Benjamin, the writer, on that one. Also, got to look, it is still Bears versus Vikings week, where we're breaking down everything about the Bears' divisional opponents. and We're going to look at uh, how the Bears can stop. Some of these weapons that the Vikings are uh, bringing to the table and what that's going to mean for this Bears team this season. All that more in today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page, and make sure that you guys are leaving a five star review. You're always getting that top tier content, even when sometimes I be forgetting that some people not on the team no more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, you got to own up to it. You got to own up to it. That's all you can do, Jay.
0: Weapons, he man. Hey. It, it, we're all entitled to make you know mistakes and we get excited and start talking ball hey rosters change like the weather man the nfl it's it's, it's cliche but it's true not for long so yeah hey, you could be in that locker room one day next you know you're walking in that locker room and they're removing your name tag they're gonna put all you, your personals in the, in the trash bag and be like hey man coach want to see you turn in your playbook it's happened to everybody it's happened to all it'll happen to everybody in the nfl you're gonna you're gonna face that that day to where you're no longer gonna be a part of that respective team that you're with. So hey, you're you're allowed to make mistakes, Pat. It's all good,
1: baby. Hey man, we 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 don't take them lightly around here though. I'll drop and give you 20 after the podcast. I ain't got <laughs> yeah, you know <what> I mean. <laughs> I <don't>, we can't <laughs> be hey,
0: about that.
1: Hey, you can't you can't be can't be missing the uh missing the read on that one, man. You can't be missing <laughs> the read. That's all me. That's all good, though. we gonna move past it because we got a good topic today. And <laughs> I I can't I'm fired up about this one, J Mac. I'm not gonna lie to you because <laughs> It's idiotic. I'm sorry. I I don't have the the media training. We got to be nice to everybody. It's idiotic. This is a idiotic statement. Uh, CBS is putting Matt Eberflus as the third or the 32nd ranked head coach in the NFL. And I, I just I don't see. Let me see if I can pull this up on here. Believe I can bow. I I just don't see how he's a thirty-second ranked head coach. It says it's not all eberflus's fault. He debuted with a stripped-down roster, but if you're not if you're gonna be a defensive head coach in today's NFL, you'd prefer not to shepherd one of the league's worst units on that side of the ball. A big leap from QB Justin Fields would help. So J-Mac, I ask you this. Mm-hmm. When you hear this, when you see this, when it kind of just feels like context is not being brought to where Fluce is ranked here, what are your thoughts on it? Where do you have fluce kind of uh, in this whole grand scheme of things?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely not 32. And, you know, a lot of – this is the offseason, right? Everybody's bored. There's no football until training camp. So people got to manufacture stories, right? You got to write something. You got to have something to talk about. So people say anything. So, I mean, obviously – you know, he hasn't done his homework. And, and granted, Bears' league-worst record. Of course, we know that. But like he said, he made a good point in terms of saying it's not all Eberflus's fault. Yeah, on that. So it's not all his fault. So you can't rate him 32nd. <laughs> and, and and to say that as well, you have <laughs> two rookie head coaches ranked ahead of Coach Flux. Oh You've got D'Amico Ryan's, who I'm very high on, very, uh, you know, great defensive mind, former player. You know, I'm glad he's getting his just due as, as now – the head coach of the Houston Texans, but also Jonathan Gannon. You've got him on there as well, rookie uh, head coach for the Arizona Cardinals. Like, just because those two guys are rookies, you can't rank them ahead of the Bears. Like, their roster, I think, right now isn't even better than the Bears. So how are you going to rank them ahead of the Bears going into 2023? Uh, and look at what Flus had to work with last year. So we know the Bears was, what, bottom of the barrel in terms of, uh, you know, rushing defense. Uh, one of the lower teams in the league in terms of pass defense, one yep. of the worst teams in terms of sacks. I think we had 20 total sacks last year. And, yes, he's a defensive coach. But you got to look – you can't just judge him based upon, you know, the, what they did defensively. Look what they did offensively. You know, no, no, one of the top teams in the league in terms of rushing. Um, you know, had a, <clears throat> Justin Fields made some, made some leaps and bounds from his first year. Uh, but, obviously, he's got to get better in the passing game. You know what I mean? Look at how many close games that you had uh we'll break it down i mean you lost to the vikings 22 to 29 the dolphins you lost to by 3 points the eagles who went on to represent the nfc in the super bowl you lost to by 5 points you lost to the falcons who hey falcons weren't that good but you still lost to them by 3 points so if you just if the ball bounces our way in in those games right that record's a whole lot different and then where would you say he would rank on this on these rankings that you had so you know it, it's you you got to really do your homework and you look at how much better the Bears roster is now as opposed to last season, just on the defensive side of the ball. You yeah. look at the upgrades that you made at defensive end, Pat. You had last year, the 22 roster. You had Al-Kadeem Muhammad at defensive end. You know what I'm saying? You had uh, Dominique Robinson was one of your other starting defensive ends towards the end of the season. A guy who we know who has a high ceiling in terms of his, of his potential, but a guy who has not played the position that long. So he's still learning. Um, defensive line, you know, you had a rotation between Angelo Blackson and Armand Watts and Justin Jones. And just look at the linebackers. I mean, no disrespect to the guys that linebacking corner 22, uh, 2022 roster, Pat, but what we have now, I mean, it's leaps and bounds uh, in terms of their productivity in terms of their athleticism compared to what we had in 2022. Yeah. Nick Moreau. obviously you had Jack Sanborn which was a bright spot last year. And then you had Matt Adams. Those were your starting linebackers to close out the season last year. And look what you have now. You're bringing T.J. Edwards, bringing Tremaine Edmonds. You know, those two guys were just ranked two of the top ten linebackers in the league. So if you're basing this, right, in terms of, you know, this season, you, you got to really look at the roster and, and the improvements that we made compared to last season. Because last season, I mean, you, you trade away Roquan. You trade away Robert Quinn. Those are your two defensive stalwarts. Those were your two defensive guys. You draft a young Kyler Gordon, a young Jaquan Brisker. Those guys were trying to get their feet wet in the NFL last year. You lost Eddie Jackson as well yeah. last year. He comes back. Jaquan Brisker's second year in the system. Kyler Gordon's second year in the system. Jaylon Johnson coming into a contract year. So just off of that alone, man, I mean, how was he 32? It makes no sense.
1: None. <sighs> And and for me, right, like one, you list the the two rookie head coaches ahead of them. Listen, Jonathan Gannon. I I don't have a lot of confidence in the situation that he's going into. Yeah. I, D'Amico Ryan, kind of the same thing, right? Though the fact that you've got D'Amico Ryan twenty fifth over guys who have already won in the NFL, like it's not saying like I think D'Amico Ryan's going to be bad, but there's guys that already have wins. Like I can't even put those guys above. Uh, Josh McDaniels for me and I actually think Josh McDaniels is legitimately the worst head coach in the NFL like he he just he's been at two different locations every time he shows up I mean like Derek Carr spent his entire career in Oakland dealing with everything that Oakland and Vegas put him through and the second Josh McDaniels shows up he can't stand it no more and has to get up out of there like that tells me all I need to know about Josh McDaniels as a head coach so I just I, I don't I look at this list, and it's a joke for me because, one, you're not taking situation into account. Two, the there are people on this list that literally are destroying teams, and it's not just the organization that's doing it. And I think for me with the Bears, right, when I look at flus, like all the things you mentioned about what was taken away from them with the organization, we lost 10 games in a row. We lost 10 straight games weeks, but it never felt like that when you looked at the team. It never felt like that when you looked at what the team was doing because they were trying to develop these pieces. They were trying to... It it felt like the team understood, okay, this season this is our mission. We're not going to the Super Bowl clearly, and we have to just try and get better every single week, and I promise you, if we put in this work now, next season we'll be on a completely different level. It really feels like the team vibed with that. We never felt like there was any animosity or any of that with the team. That says a lot about a guy as a head coach to me 10 weeks is a long time of losing in the nfl
0: heck yeah and, and, and you know what too that, that's a great point you make pat because as a player in that locker room right it's hard as hell to go to practice every day every week and you're not getting results that you want on sunday or if you're playing a monday night game or whatever you know what i mean you're not getting results so it's hard you know it's hard to keep that morale high it's hard to keep guys engaged you got to make sure that your own coaching staff isn't turning against you. And you got to make sure that they still believe yeah. in, you know, your culture, your standard, your philosophy. You know what I'm saying? And those guys, right, that he had last year, they knew it was a rebuild, especially the veterans. They knew it was a, a watered-down roster. They saw Roquan Smith get traded. They saw Robert Quinn get traded, two of the yeah. defensive stalwarts on that defense, right? But yet, they still went out there right? And they competed every single week. And like I said before, you look at the amount of close games that the Bears had with a watered down roster, with a re- with going through a rebuild, they were competitive. And I think that's why you saw, you know, fans here in Chicagoland and everybody in Chicago saying, hey, you know what? We're not that good right now. But it didn't feel like, you know, a, a bad season because there were still enthusiasm. there was still morale. I mean, we still saw the sparks that we wanted to see from Justin Fields. We did see some throws they he make, they made you say, wow, you know what? This kid's going to be special. Yeah. Well, we saw all year Justin Fields make these explosive runs. Uh, we saw those things all year. And those are some of the things that, hey, you know, that's what kept you excited. That's what kept the juices flowing here in Chicagoland. And that's the enthusiasm that we have going into this season. That's why, you know, everything is, is you know, the, the anticipations that is at a high because we saw sparks of that last year, you know, from this team we saw Jaquan Brisker, you know, make a lot of plays. You know, we saw Kyler Gordon make plays as a rookie, so you know, it's exciting. It's exciting time to to be a Bears fan, but at the same time, like you said, the disrespect to Coach Flues is ridiculous on that list. I mean, just just in terms of D'Amico Ryan's, Pat, and we talked about this before we got on the pod, right? I'm a huge D'Amico Ryan's fan. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he was one of the better defensive coordinators in the league last year, with the 49ers, but let's just look at it in terms of personnel, right? So, He's he's writing this list based upon right a little bit of last year and a little bit of this year. But let's look at this year for D'Amico Ryan and Houston Texans roster. He doesn't have the same personnel that he had with that 49ers defense. I mean, just look at that 49ers defensive line and you compare that with Houston uh, defensive line. Totally different. He doesn't have the playmakers and the quality of players that he has in that, yeah. in, that in that system. So, you know, it remains to be seen, what can he do? What can he build? Yeah, you got a new quarterback, but what can you do? What can you build? So, just off of that, you can't rank him ahead of, uh, you know, Coach Luke.
1: Well, and and I think the weird part about that is, right, like, he, it's like you said, he's coming into a similar situation. There's a bunch of young guys on the defensive side of that football mm-hmm. that Lovey brought in that all of a sudden you're sitting there trying to get the most out of. You're trying to get to get to that next level. And I just... Lists like this always intrigue me because you can tell a lot of times as you start to go through them that like the ranking system is not cohesive at the end of it. You know what I mean? Like even for me looking at, right? Because from what I'm seeing from the Josh McDaniels part of it, where it talks about him messing up two separate teams. Okay. Now, when I get to the top of the list, that means you're taking everybody's career. We're taking career play, all of that, coaching, all of that into account heading into 2023. Yeah, you got Andy Reid one. You got Bill Belichick three. You got Kyle Shanahan two. Huh? <laughs> you got what? And I'm gonna be honest with you. I get right. Like the last two seasons, or, or well, is it three seasons now since Tom has been gone? Bill Belichick has not been the number the the. He's not one like he's been the best coach in the NFL, but let's not have some crazy recency bias out here. He's still the best coach in the NFL.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, and I don't know if, you know, you're basing this list, right? You're basing it off of going into this season and careers as a whole, right? So careers as a whole, obviously, Belichick, more rings than Andy. Andy's had two the last, you know, with, with Kansas City Chiefs, but I don't know if when you look at it, it makes you wonder, is he basing Andy being number one off of what has he done lately, but also the quarterback tree and the quarterbacks that he's developed under. Yeah. And and I'll go back to my rookie year, spend my rookie year with Philadelphia Eagles in which Andy Ree was the head coach. And I mean, the, the guys we had on our staff, and I tell people this story all the time. I mean, Sean McDermott was our quality control coach for defense. He's obviously the Buffalo Bills head coach. Uh, John Harbaugh was the head special teams coach. Obviously, he's the head coach for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Leslie Frazier was our defensive back coach. Ron Rivera was our linebacker coach back then, who's the head coach for the Washington Commanders. Uh, Brad Childress was our offensive coordinator. Um, obviously, he was the head coach for the Vikings from 2006 to 2010. I mean, Dave Toe was the assistant special teams coach to John Harbaugh, who is now the head special teams coach with Andy Reid in Kansas City. Yeah. Well, you look at – the the quarterbacks that 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 came from Andy Reid. I don't know if that's why he's ranking Andy higher than Bill Belichick. I mean, look at body of work. Bill Belichick obviously has more rings, but look at a hey, like you said, Josh McDaniels is a disciple from Bill Belichick who hasn't had the type of success that a lot of these coaches uh, that I just named under Andy Reid has had in the NFL. So. It, it's it's a list, you know. It's an off season list. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for debate, Pat. You know what I mean. It's good. It is a list. Yes, it gets you talking. It's another story that you you know to talk about in terms of football wise, leading up in training camp. Because yeah. as you know, football fans, you know we're we're, we're waiting for training camp. We want to see the, the training camp battles develop. Uh, we want to see how our teams are going to progress uh, leading into the season. So you know, lists like this, they're just lists. You know, they're 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 one person's opinion.
1: What, what irritates me about them is, it, it here's always the thing, right? I I fully believe that big-time media outlets and different things like that poke at the Bears fans and poke at the Bears because they know that we're going to blow an article up or we're going to blow whatever your take is up because we're going to debate you. We're going to fight back. You're not just going to – listen, we know our team is bad. We know that we were 3-14 and 14 last season. We know everything that goes into being that bad football team. We have overanalyzed this down to the smallest minutiae. We don't need you to add on other reasons why we were bad last season. We got it. Yeah, I mean, and so I feel like a lot of these media outlets, a lot of these articles, all of these stuff, they know that Bears fans are going to bite back. And so they'll make a out-of-body, oh-my-God take, just to get Bears fans involved. And listen, we're doing it right now. It works. Of course. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it don't work. Like, we're having this conversation right now. Like, but it's one of those things for me where I always look at them just like, y'all just love picking at us, bro. I love, like, anytime, bro, I swear, anytime uh, 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 CBS has the game, there's always going to be some list about how many quarterbacks we've had over the past 40 years. It's like, okay, though, no, we get it. You know what I mean? We, we were there. We saw him. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, please. Let us know how you guys feel in the comments below, man. Where would you rank Flus? How do you have him uh, rated in the NFL? Do you at least have him above the guys that haven't coached the game yet? Like, I'm, I have Josh McDaniels above those guys. So uh, can you tell I don't like Josh? Anyway, uh, I do want to ask you this, though. You were an Andy Reid uh, um, player. You played under Coach Reid. Coach Reed has, I believe, three of his disciples in the top 10 on this list. What is it about Coach Reed? Because we, I mean, we've seen Belichick's tree, right? Another Josh McDaniel shot. We've seen the Belichick tree and it's not pretty. What is it about Coach Reed that, is he finding just these gems when guys come in, or is just he a coach that how he teaches it, how he puts it out there, it really teaches guys and prepares them for the next level?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, in, in, as a rookie, in my, my rookie year, I wasn't in all of the coaches' meetings to see how Andy was developing his coaches. But what I do know is he's a, a, a highly detailed-oriented guy. You know, he, he leaves no stone unturned. I mean, we we went over everything, practiced every situation, went over every situation. Every meeting was detail-oriented because, obviously, time is of the essence. In the NFL, you know, you, you can't be there. You're there all day, but it's a lot of things you got to go over. And I think he really did a great job of maximizing the amount, maximizing his schedule in terms of installing plays, making sure that players understood the scheme, you know, making sure in the offseason that, he had, the right offense, uh, he had the right off-season program to make sure that we were getting the right training, the right nutrition, so that way we could go out there and execute a scheme. You know, the coaches did a good job of making sure that they worked on the, the basic things, the fundamentals, so that way we could be sharp and we could execute whatever scheme or whatever play was thrown our way. And, you know, I saw that a lot with, with the position coaches. You know, Andy would be in the offensive install meeting, but he did a great job of preparing his coaches, but he let his coaches coach. So – you know, when when Coach Childress was, was in an office of install meeting, you know, Andy was there, but he let Coach Childress command the room. And I think that's the type of development that as a head coach, you know, you you want to develop your guys. You know, you want your guys to go on and obviously you want to keep most of your guys because they're, you know, they're a direct correlation to your success. But you you know these guys want to go on to be, you know, head coaches and in the position coaches, they want to go on to be coordinators. So as a head coach, it's your job to continue to develop these coaches, but also uh, you want to make sure you give them the resources so they can be successful. So that way they can go on and further their careers and be head coaches or coordinators. And I think uh, coach Reed did a good job of that. And I think coach Reed also did a great job of, you know, he was truly a player's coach. You know, he was, he was strict when it came down to, you know, getting the business and making sure that we understood you know what our job was. So he was hard in terms of, Hey, we got to work today. We got to get better here. You know, he didn't, He called a spade a spade. You know, he didn't sugarcoat a a lot of things, but at the same time, you know, he believed in having fun. You know, he wanted his players to have a good relationship with him. And there wasn't a time where I couldn't go to, to coach Reed's office, even though I was a rookie undrafted free agent, you know, from temple who, you know, probably at that time I didn't have a chance to make the roster, but it wasn't a time that I couldn't go to coach Reed's office and say, Hey, you know what coach like, you know, this is bothering me. I don't understand this. Or even with, with any coach, not just coach Reed. So You know, in terms of making himself available to everybody on that roster and making everybody on that roster feel important, not just the coaches but all the way down to the last player, you know, on that roster or the guy who may be four-string, not getting a lot of playing time, he made sure that he coached everybody the same way. And he had everybody to a standard. So when you're holding coaches to a high standard and when you're holding those players to a high standard, you're going to get the best, you know, out of everybody. And everybody's going – they're going to want to give you – you know, their best to make sure that you're successful as a head coach. And I think that's why you see, you know, guys going on, you know, having great coaching, uh, head coaching careers that they came from Andy Reid because let's keep the quiet is kept. Like Andy Reid is a Mike Holmgren disciple. And look, yeah. at, look at the look at the Holmgren uh, coaching tree that was yeah. developed. Andy Reid saw that firsthand from Mike Holmgren, the way that he developed his coaches. So Andy Reid took on that, you know, that same model and made sure his coaches were developed. So they can go on and have success in the league as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, that 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 is, I guess you it's so funny, right? Because you think of like Holmgren having like all the success that he had, but like Andy kind of surpassed him. So you do think of it as the Andy Reed tree, but realistically it is. It is the Mike Holmgren yeah. tree, right? Like, that and so point. you gotta hey, you gotta pay pay homage where homage is due on that one, man. I, I I didn't even I don't know why I never thought about it like that. That's right. pretty Look at this tree, man. Mike I yeah. mean, he's
0: got, I mean, Steve Mariucci, uh, Andy Reed, um, it's a bunch of guys. Uh John Gruden, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like that tree, I mean, if you look at it, Mike Holmgren is at the top of that tree, you know, and, and we gotta go back even further. I'm sure Mike Holmgren is a disciple from you know, another yeah. one.
1: Yeah.
0: Just starting with Mike Holmgren, that trickles down. You know, Andy Reed is you know, he's one of those branches on that tree, and now the branch that the branches that he spurned from that tree from Mike Holmgren. I mean, you got John Harbaugh, like we talked about, Sean McDermott, Leslie, yeah. from, or, or Ron Rivera. I might even forgot David Cully, who was the receivers coach back then in Philadelphia, who was the Houston Texans head coach from. He was from twenty to twenty one season. Yeah, uh, he was fired after one season, but yeah. he was a head coach as well.
1: It's 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 so interesting. Have you uh have you talked to Andy at all after after uh since he has been winning Super Bowls out here have you, you had any contact with Andy he still you, you can no, you still call man. him up
0: No I haven't talked to coach Reed in a long time um but you know one coach I you know I Dave Toe um is a guy who you know still talk with had conversations with him and uh yeah, I haven't talked to coach Reed, you know. I haven't even, I haven't even reached out to him honestly. I'm just man, we,
1: we got to get you some of your old head coach's numbers, bro. You don't talk to them. <laughs> they, they don't hit you
0: back or nothing, dog. We got a busy, man. Hey, Andy's busy winning Super Bowls, man. He <laughs> don't want to talk to a old retired fullback, man. You know what I mean? He, he, hey, he, he but I, you know what I say this though, when when we do play them uh this year, um we go to Kansas City, and I will I will make my my way over to that side yeah, and, uh Thank Coach Reed again, like I have on numerous occasions, for giving a uh, a young undrafted fullback out of Temple University an opportunity to uh, set foot in this league and to make his mark in this league. And, and I give Philly all the credit without without those guys that we had in that locker room. You know, and I can, we had a bunch of great guys. You had Brian Dawkins, Troy Vincent, Deuce Staley was in our running back room, Dorsey Levins, Brian Mitchell, a couple of old guys who the, who the young listeners, man, I don't even know who those guys are now. But. All of those guys, man, they were they were great bets in terms of, you know, they took a lot of us rookies under their wing and showed us the ropes, showed us the do's and don'ts, showed, showed us the, the non-negotiables in terms of preparation and in terms of what it took to be a pro. And those lessons I have really I really took throughout my entire career. And I think it enabled me to have a long career in the NFL because of those lessons that that those guys taught me. Um, it really resonated and really stuck with me. And those guys didn't have to do it because you know a lot of these young rookies are coming in to take your job. And you know some some vets they don't want to show you anything or tell you anything because they're like, hey, you know what? Especially if if this if this guy's the same position as me, well, hey, you know if I give him too much, yeah, I'm going to lose my job. So right. well, they don't, don't want to give you you know the goods in terms of how to be a pro in the NFL. But the great the great players who don't mind competing who knows they got to pay it forward and help develop young rookies. Uh, they're going to do that. And and I'll say that that's one thing that you know, I give credit to the, to the Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia Eagles organization and the way coach Reed ran things in a way that resonated not only with coaches, but it resonated with players. The players also develop players, just like Andy Reed developed those coaches.
1: When it's all said and done, do you think Andy will be able to do enough to take over as the GOAT head coach of all time. And I say this because when we saw Andy get what I think most of us can agree is the best quarterback in the league, very much like Belichick had. Yeah. We've seen, I mean, it. it's a, it's a massive jump to go from AFC championship game losses to Super Bowl win, but realistically he was getting there with Alex Smith. That tells you that the scheme is there. That tells you that the game plan is there. He got to a Super Bowl with Donovan McNabb, hey, right? Like when you saw him get the best of the best, all of a sudden he's winning championships. He's he's in just about every one of them. Do you think that he can do enough to surpass Bill Belichick, or has he already in your mind?
0: Yeah, I don't. It, it just depends on what you're judging. I mean, we talk about the goat conversation. What do you judge? What are you basing it off of? Are you basing it off of uh, rings? Are you basing it off of uh, development in terms of players and coaches? Um, you know what I'm saying? You, yeah. You're basing it off of just wins. I mean, because you look at it like this like you just said it, Pat. Andy Reid has taken two different teams to the Super Bowl. Back in 2004, he took the Eagles at Donovan McNabb, at Torrey Owens. He took them to his first Super Bowl after losing, what, three consecutive NFC championships, right? Then he goes to Kansas City, get Patrick Mahomes. You won two there. Yeah. Oh. Well, Bill Belichick is one. You know, however many rings. How many rings has Bill Belichick got?
1: Six. Bill's got six, right? Has Bill six. has six, but he, he had. Uh, but he's been to nine Super Bowls,
0: right? He's been to nine. He's won six, but I mean, look who you had at quarterback. You know what I'm saying? And what has he done that's,
1: since? That's what I'm saying.
0: What has he done since Tom Brady's? You know, his departure from New England. And Tom Brady. You know, they were saying, oh. Is Tom Brady just a product of Bill Belichick? Is he a product of that system? Well, guess what? He went down to Tampa Bay. He's not <laughs> didn't make the playoffs <laughs> the, the previous year and won the Super Bowl there. You know what I mean? So it's
1: it, now I, I do see. I'm I'm the type of person I do believe that Bill helped make Tom the player he became. 100%. But you still got to be the player. You still have that. So I think that there was a part of Tom's career where it was, okay, we got to put you in these positions, get you used to this, develop what what we see inside of you. And then there was a certain part where it was just like, all right, not, but now I'm Tom Brady. Right. You know what I mean, like now now I'm here now. I can do this without you. And yep. I think that's what Tom went down to Tampa and proved. Definitely. So, I, I mean,
0: can Andy Reid surpass Bill Belichick as the GOAT? I mean, I think so. You know what I mean? You've got, you've got, the, you got the roster. You got the quarterback. I mean, you got to have the quarterback in this league, and he definitely yeah. has that. You know what I'm saying? He's got the system. Uh, I think it's going to remain uh, to be seen how that offense is going to change with the departure of Eric Bieniemy, who is now the OC for the Washington Commanders. You yeah. know what I mean? How was that going to change? Uh, was Andy really calling the plays? You know what I'm saying? Like all of that stuff. How? Like, you know, is Matt Nagy? Don't, call don't the we know now? that by now, though? <laughs> don't we know that Andy's calling I mean, the plays I mean, now? I mean, Eric being to me some just do, man. Like, I, <laughs> but it, you know what I mean? What, like, now, you know, is I, I mean, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, like, you know, how that offense is going to change. But the one thing remains constant
1: Andy Reid. Andy Reid. Andy Reid. You he's, know, unless... he's two and two in Super Bowls. If he over he's 65 years old as well. Let's say, I, I mean, I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised, but I'd be a little surprised if he coached till he's 75. But over the next 10 years, if you can get four Super Bowls, oh, yeah. hey, listen, I all with the same team, like, I can't I, – I might have to put you on that list. I don't you know. You,
0: you got to <laughs> because now, right, You talk like we said, the GOAT debate, what are you basing it off of? Well, now, regardless of what you base it off of, if Andy can, can get, get some more Super Bowls or if he can get – Get at least the same amount that Coach Belichick has, right? Yeah, yeah. the The goat debate with Andy is, hey, he's got the rings. He's developed the coaches that have went on to be successful head coaches, not just head coaches, but yeah, have gone on to different organizations as the head of that organization and has and has had success. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you look at the quarterbacks that he's developed: Donovan McNabb, Patrick Mahomes. Like you said, he did he. Help develop Alex Smith when he was there. Like I mean, it's it won't be a debate if Andy, you know, continue getting these Super Bowl rings, you know, on on his finger. But I think until you do that, I mean, you have to base what what is the criteria being based on.
1: Well, I think I think that would be it, right? Like if he can, I think even if he can get close, right? If he can get four rings, five rings, then you have to start talking about okay. But he got. Pat Mahomes, so much later in his career. What if he gets a talent like that before then? Right? He got to a Super Bowl with McNabb. He got close to getting to a Super Bowl with Alex Smith. You have to look at the time that they spent without arguably the greatest player in the league and what were they able to be successful at. And I think that's where a lot of people start to look at Belichick now and they're like, listen, without Tom. You really ain't been that good. You've been a you you've made it through a couple of regular season games, right? Like I mean, you're talking about some of the backup quarterbacks that come in and and still elite defenses, but if you look at the overall, I mean, you got to go Cleveland where he was a young co- head coach. Um sure. and the last couple of years without time. Like you have to look at like okay, those seasons where they didn't have somebody that could be talked about as the GOAT, which I think Pat Mahomes is is well on his way of being talked about as well cuz mm. he keeps winning. yeah Yeah. he got a long way to go though he still yeah he got a long way to go but he hey listen he got a good start to the resume that's all i'm gonna say what's he been he been in the league six years now is it 17 to 22 and every year of his career including one year with uh with uh alex smith he's been to the afc championship or further (laughs) That's a pretty good start. That's all right, great. let's keep this show rolling along, man. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page, let us know how you guys feel. You got Reed over Belichick? You got Reed over Belichick? You got Belichick over Reed? What are you guys feeling about? Mm-hmm. I, I don't like the recency bias with all of it, though. Like Muls like he lost the last two years. He he's done. It's like, okay, like Don Shula ain't been in the, the, the NFL in 40 years, and we still talk about him as one of the best. Come on now. Uh let's get into Bears Vikings, though. This is still Bears Vikings week want to touch on this. I thought we had a good topic to bring to the forefront. And for me, the Vikings are an interesting team. Talked about this yesterday with P-Kid on the podcast. Mm -hmm. There's weaponry there. Mm -hmm. There is talent on this team that I believe will be very tough for the Bears to stop, at least in one name, in Justin Jefferson. Let's start there. If you're looking at what the Vikings' weapons are, what do the Bears have to do to slow down somebody's weapons on offense, specifically a guy like Justin Jefferson?
0: Yeah, I mean, nobody's been able to slow him down. You know what I mean? Over 1,800 yards receiving last year, and, you know, teams, they've tried to double him. You can try to press him. Problem is he can get off press. <laughs> you know, he's still effective. He can beat the double team. <laughs> He makes, I mean, he makes some great contested catches. Yeah. I mean, and his route running ability is ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? So with a player of his caliber, obviously one of the best in the league, it's it's tough. And he's gonna be, he's gonna continue to, to be a defensive coordinator's nightmare. And when you look at it, you know, it's it's you say, okay, the easy thing was say let's just double Justin Jefferson, right? But you really gotta look at all the weapons that the Vikings have besides Justin Jefferson. No. And, you know, a name that he, that gets overshadowed in that receiving room is KJ Osborne. You know, if you look at it last year, yeah. the last game against the Bears, uh, I think a, a Justin Jefferson only had what he had, he had four catches. It was Osborne that had over 100 yards receiving that really killed the Bears. So, and then you go out and you draft, you know, Jordan Addison, um, a young rookie draft in the first round that had, has great playmaking ability as well you put them out there. Now you have another playmaker that you got a game plan for. Not to mention, you got a tight end that almost had over 1000 yards receiving at TJ Hawkinson. So, it the passing game is, you know, Kirk Cousins like despite what people say, ah oh, Kirk oh, whatever. I mean, Kirk Kirk does his thing. You know, he does his thing. Will he turn the ball over? Will he make mistakes at big moments in games? Yes. But the but the one thing remains to be seen uh, that is Kirk distributes the ball well to his playmakers. You know what I'm saying? And the biggest thing that, the biggest thing that you got to look at for the Vikings this year is, we talked about it before, Pat, is the departure of Dalvin Cook, right? And we know that, hey, Vikings got rid of Dalvin Cook. Why? Well, we know the value placed upon running backs is, you know, at an all-time low now. Yeah. Now. yeah. You know, and they feel that regardless of who's back there with their system, they run, you know, they major in wide zone just like the Bears do. They feel that, hey, you know what? We got a guy, Alexander Madison, who can do the same things that Dalvin Cook did when given the opportunity. Uh, that remains to be seen. I think Alexander Madison is a great back, but it's a lot different uh, just coming in and being a spark when Dalvin's not in the lineup, as opposed to having to be that spark week yeah. in and week out. You know, having to be the guy. Um, so, and, and, and Madison's had some. He's had his, he's had some good you know moments against the Bears. I think the last game of the season last year. He was the lead back. He had more carries than than Dalvin Cook. Uh, He had two touchdowns against the Bears that game. So is he capable of being, you know, the lead guy in that backfield for the Vikings? Yes. But at the same time, I mean, when you you have those receivers, those weapons on the outside, you're going to get a light box. You know what I mean? You're not going to get an eight-man box. So it'll be easier to run the ball because of the fact that you have Justin Jefferson, you have K.J. Osborne, you have T.J. Hawkinson. Now, you're going to sprinkle in a little Jordan Addison. Yeah. You can't have an eight man box. You know what I'm saying? You can't just dedicate a lot of guys to stop the run because you got to be fearful of the pass because of those weapons. So, to your point, I, I don't know how, you know, how they're going to stop. I don't know how they're going to stop this offense, to be quite honest. I mean, Allen Williams, I'm sure he's been, you know, they've already have been looking at a film. They've been, you know, game planning already, you know, for every team that they're going to face this year. So, uh, you know, I. I the game that the game that they had, the last game against the Vikings, you know, Justin Jefferson, he probably had one of his worst games of the season. So, you know, I obviously need to go back and look at what they did that game uh, to see how they were able to stop. I'm not even sure if he got hurt that game.
1: Uh, I, I feel like he didn't finish that game. I yeah. feel like that was a, we got to get this man over 1,800 yards to get him his money type of you dig. Yeah. I feel like, it was, I got to go back and look at that game myself. Yeah. I, I don't think there was a ton of... Uh,
0: four catches thirty eight yards it just seems kind of weird. You know what I mean? And in the last game of the season in which the Bears, I mean, they had Nathan Peterman was starting. I mean, it was a you know, I mean there were guys out of the lineup for the Bears as well. Obviously the Vikings won that game in Soldier Field, but I don't and I was at that game, but I don't remember uh seeing Justin Jefferson on the field that much for the Vikings.
1: Yeah, I feel like I feel like they were taking it easy on that one. They they were prepping for the playoffs. You know what I mean? That was uh that was, was a, we're out of here. Listen, the Bears didn't play anybody that game either, which right. was, I think that was the weird part. I think that's why he didn't play. I want to say he didn't finish that game. Um, let me let me ask you this though, right? When you you, you kind of went through the weapons that, that the Vikings bring to the table. And for me, it all comes down to two things with this team, the running game and of course the quarterback. And the reason that I say that is because Kirk Cousins is so dependent on having that running game be evident For him to have the overwhelming success to me, when you see him have his best games, usually his running game is right there with him clicking on point. If the Bears can come into a situation where I think they built up this run defense pretty well this season, a lot of these guys were run stoppers, and they're slowing down that run. Is that kind of the key to stopping what the Vikings can bring offensively because now, you know, Kirk Cousins is dropping back to throw the football and that's kind of the position that most people want Kirk Cousins in. Like it's, it's no, he's not bad. I love how I keep bringing this up. I love how Cam Jordan said it. He makes the right decision, but too slow. Yeah. And that's how I feel about him. Like I feel like if the bears can come in and they can stop Alexander Madison, right? I mean like two touchdowns in that game, but 10, 10 carries overall, Right. 54 yards, it's nothing crazy. Maybe, you know, don't let them get two touchdowns. But uh, I, I think that to me, that's kind of the Bears key to slowing down a lot of these weapons because when you get Kirk making a ton of decisions at once, it's what you see at the end of the season, right? Fourth and eight, we need you to make the right decision. You throw four yards short of the sticks.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and the thing is, the key to that is, right, obviously we got to do better against the run. But with Kirk, <clears throat> we got to get pressure. Yeah. Right, you've got to get pressure with four. And we have, our roster is way more athletic defensively than it was in 2022, like we talked about before. Edwards, Edmonds, you know, Jack Samworth, second year in the system, an athletic guy that made a lot of plays last year uh, for the Bears. You have to get pressure because <clears throat> this passing game, <clears throat> excuse me, like you said, Pat, is predicated off the run because they want to generate big chunk plays through play-action passes. But at the same time, The passing game is all about rhythm and timing, right? So, Kirk, rhythm and timing, throwing anticipation, right? Justin Jefferson, you know, making those those breaks out of those routes at 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 certain times, and you know, Kirk Cousins getting that ball out early, knowing that Justin Jefferson is going to be in a certain spot. Well, defensively, if you can get pressure on Kirk Cousins, disrupt the timing, well, then you negate that passing game, right? The let those guys don't have to cover as much. You know, Kirk Cousins is back there patting the ball. He's not comfortable. And I think that's the only way that you can be effective in in stopping this uh, Minnesota Vikings offensive attack. You know, you got to take away the run, but you've got to get Kirk Cousins dirty. You got to disrupt the timing of this passing game. That's the only chance that I think that the Bears will have if you want to stop this offense.
1: So it's, it's going to be an interesting season for me, Bears Vikings, because I don't. I feel like the Vikings are going to take a return kind of back to the mean. I feel like the Bears are going to take a big step in the right direction, and. It, I think that these teams, right? We we did this exercise yesterday, kind of looking at the offense versus the defense, defense versus the offense on both teams, mm-hmm. and they're not that far apart to me. No. Like I, I like Justin Jefferson is the biggest weapon. Yep, that is the biggest. Like, listen, I love DJ Moore. I, I think DJ Moore is a great pickup for the Bears. And I, I, I react. I'm gonna be honest with you. You really got to sit down and just watch tape on some of these guys. I was watching DJ Moore tape the other day. I was like. Hey, we really got to steal at the first round. Like, I, I really don't think people realize what the Bears winning got. But as good as he is, he's not Justin Jefferson. Right. And I think to me that when I look at kind of where the weaponry is on the Vikings team, the pieces are there, the names are there. And really, the one thing that continues to get in the way of the Vikings seems to always be the Vikings. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I think that the Bears have to go into a lot of these games just kind of doing your best to keep everything even keel and the Vikings will give you an opportunity to beat them. I think that they come in with less weaponry than last season, although I will say Jordan Addison, I, I liked him in uh, in college. I, I really like Jordan Addison game, sure-handed guy. I wanted the Bears to be able to go out and get him, but he's – I just don't see a scenario where, like, the Vikings, when you look at them on paper, offensively especially, are just leaps and bounds better than the Bears. I see one piece that's leaps and bounds better, and he's kind of dragging up everybody in the rear.
0: Yeah, and like you said, the Vikings, right, they're unpredictable. Um, Week in and week out, unpredictable. You don't know what team you're going to get. You don't know what Kirk Cousins you're going to get. You know, are you going to get Captain Kirk or are you going to get Kirk? Like, you know Like, I mean, one week Kirk looks like, hey, he does, he's deserving of that big contract that he got. The next week you're like, man, what is he doing? You know what I mean? So, you know, for, for us, like you said, we're, we're way ahead of where we were last year. Totally different roster from that yeah. 22 team. Um, you know, we're more athletic on defense. Um, I, I'm hoping we can get pressure. You know, with our front four, I think that's going to really, uh, you know, not just the Vikings, but that's going to predicate how good our defense will be. Because like I said before, and like we know in this system, which is similar to what the system that Levy ran when I was here with the Bears, is yeah, we were able to get pressure with our front four. You know, Coach Flues knows that, that, you know, Coach Williams knows that the success of this defense is predicated on being able to generate pressure and to generate chaos and, and to be disrupted with that front four. If you can't do that, well, you put all the stress on the back. end. Now you got to bring linebackers to get pressure, which leaves a void in the defense. You know what I'm saying? The secondary's got to cover longer. Um, so that that's the key to this defense, being able to get pressure. And like we've been saying all offseason, you know, and, and same thing, Coach Luz has said it, they haven't ruled out bringing in another guy or two to be able to generate pressure, to be able to get pressure on a quarterback. They haven't done it yet training camp hasn't started yet but as bears <laughs> fans and analysts were waiting to see hey
1: who's oh, that Can we well i mean yes. listen i i i'm still vying for uh uh daniel uh, daniel hunter yep. like he's he's my He would be, if you're going to trade for a guy, he would be my guy that you go out and get. I don't know what's going on. The the defensive end market is weird right now. It's like, I don't know if these guys are holding out because they want to go to a specific team or if they're holding out for a a major number, but there's a lot of defensive ends still on the market and everybody's just like, we're not going to pay you whatever number you're coming in at right now. Because I would think that they would have signed by now if they was hitting the right number.
0: Yeah, and you know, and the funny thing, you're right though. But some vets will say, "Hey, you know what? I'm not." Some vets don't want to go through training camp. <laughs> they never <gonna> get signed. <laughs> wait. Is that it? <laughs> Man, I don't. I'm not saying that's it. But if you have that type of leverage, right? Yeah. And you know you're a playmaker, and you know you're going to get signed, and you know your agent has been talking to teams. Well, you know, you can tell a team, "Hey, you know what? <clears throat> you know, I, I some of these guys, I'm not going to make a decision until halfway through training camp." <laughs> or, you know, just so that, why well, I got to go through the grind of training camp. You know, I, I don't know what it is. You're right, though, because there's a lot of good names, a lot of good football players that can help a lot of teams, you know, in particular Bears that's still out there. Um, you know, that's, that's still on the market. So let's see. Let's hope that, you know, Ryan, I know Ryan Poles, he's got his, you know, we talked about he's got his, uh, the way he does things. You know, he, he's going to make that. He'll, make, he'll pull the trigger if he has to. If there's a guy out there that fits culturally, uh, financially, yeah, he'll, he'll make that decision. So let's hope that, you know, they have obviously they have their eyes on guys because they've alluded to it this whole offseason. But let's see if they actually make that, you know, make that signing. They make that push to bring in another guy to get pressure because, you know, that that's the key, man. 20 sacks, bottom of the barrel in the league last year. Defensively, we only if we if we don't generate more pressure in quarterback sacks than we did last year, we will be at the bottom of the barrel again defensively in the NFL, despite what you what you did on the back end and at that second level with them linebackers.
1: And hey, look, and then we can have a conversation on Flues being 32nd. Yeah, you'll 32nd.
0: i two. I'm like, man, you hey. know what? CBS was right, man. <laughs> 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 what are we talking
1: about? <laughs> hey, that's some of the worst. I ain't going to lie to you. I mean, like, I went into last season, and granted, I'm going into my preseason stuff last season over on the Breeze, and I'm doing it based on the team that is there at the beginning of the season, I'm like, bro, y'all can't tell me you can't see this team winning this and winning yeah. this game and find a way to win it. Well, by the end of the year, I was like, man, they said we was going to be the worst team in the NFL, and they was right. Like, that's I, – I I hate that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean – I yeah. love that number one pick, but I hate that. <laughs> it's it's – it's,
0: yeah, you're right, though. It's so weird, right? Um, Last year, we talk about that. We talk about that a lot last year. Despite, you know, the record and things of that nature, like – it wasn't really the optimism was still there in Chicago and nobody was really down you know when well, you see that run that Fields made or or you see that throw that he made or you see that that big play that brisker made or yeah you see the potential in kyle gordon like uh back in the day you know people would have been man they would have been cussing us out on the field like they would have been all kind of trash thrown on the field chicago hot dogs thrown on the field like,
1: you know what I'm saying? Nobody's throwing the hot dog, man. Nobody's <laughs> throwing the hot dog. We don't disrespect the dog around here. <laughs> <laughs> man, we funny. do be, Hey, we do be booing, though. I'm not going to lie to you. I'd sell the – the one thing that I love about Chicago, and I'll continue to say this, we have enough fans to have fanatics. Yeah. And I, I think that, I'm sure for most players, that's not fun when you're losing, but when you're winning, it's the greatest thing in the world. 100%. So, I I, I say, like, I, you look at some cities around the – now, the NFL is a different animal altogether. Like, everybody has fans in the NFL. But you look at some cities around the, around the country, man, I swear. It's like, hey, man, I ain't know y'all had fans. Like, I've never met a lifelong – like, damn uh, serious. You've never met a lifelong Portland Trailblazers fan in your life. <laughs> you just haven't. Right, right, right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you've never met – I've never once been like, hey, man, who's your team? It was like the Orlando Magic. It was like, since when? Forever, man. I've been there since Penny. Yeah,
0: yeah. They'll come oh, out okay. if they go to the finals. That's when they come out, man. Like, Oh, oh yeah, they
1: back then. You yeah. know what I mean? That's a, <laughs> <They're> <laughs> but see, that's the, that's the thing, right? Like, I look, at, I look at the Bulls and the Bears and stuff like that. Like, you can see the stands full in a season where we got six wins or we got, you know, 22 wins. And then when we start winning, it's like, hey man, we can't. We we fighting to get in there. We we fighting to be inside the stadium. So I love the city for that, man. At a minimum, we got we got some of the best fans in the world, and uh, you know that's why we doing all this content. That's why we are putting all this great stuff together, man. And we are gonna keep getting better at it. I swear, I got twenty push ups to do after this podcast. So I'm we gonna log off for that. Hey, appreciate y'all for tuning in show and showing love. As always, for Jason McKee on another week of the Chicago Bears podcast, I am Pat the Designer. We'll be back tomorrow. We might be doing a switch switcheroo, I believe, tomorrow. Might have Yurko on tomorrow instead of Courtney, and we might be doing Courtney Friday. So stay tuned with us on that. As always, though, y'all stay safe out there Chicago. And bear down! Bear
0: down!